0: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell,
1: and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with a Friday edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm at the West Peachtree, which is the media hotel for tomorrow's MLS Cup. Between the team that I cover for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Atlanta United, and the Portland Timbers. It's going to be a fascinating game. It's supposed to kick off around 8 p.m. with more than 70,000 people in attendance at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. As I stand here at the West End, it's a little bit crazy because it was just uh, two years ago in March of 2017 that I was here talking with Alexi Lawless, who is going to be a guest on this episode. Across the lobby was John Strong, who is going to be another guest on this podcast. And then my third guest is going to be uh, Rob Stone. Uh, So you're going to have three different voices on this podcast today, all talking about their experiences in Atlanta then, their experiences in Atlanta this week, and what they hope to see and expect to see in Saturday's MLS Cup game between Atlanta United and Portland. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer, rate it, and share it with your friends. I also hope that you've enjoyed the immense coverage provided by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution of the MLS Cup this week. We've had 1A stories. We've had posters. We've had full pages of coverage inside. We've dominated the sports front, and that's because of the resources that the paper has put toward this game and toward this team this week, in addition to the resources they provided in allowing me to cover the team for the past two years on the field for the past four since it was announced in April of 2014. So I hope you'll enjoy the coverage. Now I'm going to let you listen to the interviews. The first is with John Strong, and the second will be uh, with Alexi and Rob Stone together. Here's John. So in March of 2017, you and I were sitting on opposite sides of a lobby at the Marriott Marquis. It was the Atlanta United home opener against Red Bulls at Bobby Dodd Stadium. At the time, you were talking with Jason Longshore and I was talking with Alexi Lawless. But from then until now, how would you describe Atlanta United and what you've seen? I
0: mean, because even then, I remember sitting there and talking with Jason about how I was absolutely one of the people thinking this is a bad idea to bring a soccer team to Atlanta. Soccer doesn't work in the South. It doesn't work in big cities. Atlanta's a bad sports town. And already on that day, we knew how wrong we were because we knew the Bobby Dodd was sold out. We could see the buzz around the city. Um, and certainly what the team had done with Tata Martino and the players they brought in. So I don't know that my opinion has been changed since. I think it was already changed then. And mm-hmm. what we've seen is just the success on the field continuing to grow. I mean, the fact that you can just casually show up with 70,000 fans for an MLS right. game. That type of stuff. And and so really it's been enjoyable to come back into town. We got in Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And just sort of see the culmination of that to a certain extent, having, having not been here since April, my crew. Right. Um, and see the net effect of that and 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 how many people around the city are wearing their stuff the billboards are everywhere going on i I come from a sports radio background and i know how hard it is for soccer to break through into that world it's a very dogmatic world there's an accepted principle of what you do and do not talk about and having been on two of the sports radio stations this morning talking about it that kind of stuff is significant and so now the question becomes at the end of the day still it's that championship moment that iconic image of the trophy being raised the celebrations around the city the parade those types of things that always pushes everything a big step forward even important three years ago as popular as the team was winning a championship is a big step forward Um, so that's what I'm excited to see is you know at the end of the day it's a game and the ball bounces different ways but um, sort of a capstone of the first two years I guess and what the scene will be tomorrow night is really exciting
2: what was the effect th- that is still being felt in Portland from that championship that should Atlanta win, that the people here can might experience or expect to see?
0: What it did is it forced the hand of all but the most dogged resistors mm-hmm. that, yes, soccer is big time, and yes, the soccer team in our city is big time the images of them coming home, being met at the airport, because it was in Columbus, mm. the parade down Broadway, particularly in a city where, in Portland, we had won a again, major men's professional sports title. You put these modifiers on it because the Thorns had won and everything right. had little things. But not since the Trailblazers in 77 winning the NBA Finals had there been a parade down Broadway. Mm. And so those types of images, like I said, except for the one or two, really just old school, I'm never going to accept soccer's existence. Everyone was all like, okay, this is big. And that's important to have. And, And I said at the time, for as popular as Portland was, making the playoffs for the first time in 2013 was important. Winning a championship was important. Having that success, and not just success in the way that I think soccer people, we often view it where... You know, the regular season is a big part of it. It's winning a championship, lifting a trophy, having a title to your name. That level of success is important because it just it provides those images and and it lays down a marker. Particularly when at the end of the day, as much as the success and the fan base has been built, it's two years in. Mm-hmm. You got this isn't enough. You, you keep going. You keep pushing. Um, and, and specific to Portland's experience, the Trailblazers were never really all that big until they won. 77 championship, that was what made the Blazers part of the fabric of the city. Okay. Up until then, the minor league hockey team was arguably as big or as big a big <laughs> Okay. deal. Um, championships are how you solidify your fan base, and right. so that's the opportunity facing them tomorrow.
2: Okay. Now, does your preparation for your job Change because of the weight of this game compared to a regular season game? Yeah,
0: I mean, one of the, the things I'll do differently when I'm putting my notes together, and I'm still way far behind, but that's sort of normal for how this week has gone. I'll go back for every player and look at how many finals have they played in because there's something different about that. And whether it's, okay, this is a guy's first career final, whether he's 21 or 31. Um, no, he's played a couple finals, he's won all of them, or he scored in this one, or those types of, I think, Contextualizing what's in the guy's head—that he's either had success in this moment or he's failed in this moment—and that that's going to be either relevant in the moment or afterwards. So that's where I adjust my my prep a little bit. But it's also trying to not—I probably went too far two years ago as my first MLS Cup. I did too much. Mm-hmm. I wound myself into too many tightly right. spun knots of anxiety about right. it. That I've learned. Um, Not to do that And so to be simple Because at the end of the day The atmosphere is going to be amazing The best thing I can do is shut up Truthfully tomorrow night And and let the atmosphere be a part of it And not jam too much in Be ready Be prepared with everything um, And try to pick one or two little things I can get in But let the game speak for itself And hopefully the game is good enough I mean I always say And this is something that I was taught if you're using more than ten to fifteen percent of your stuff, you're doing it wrong. You didn't prep enough, or it's something happened in the game <laughs> where it's like a blowout, or, you know, or there's an right. injury. Um, but how much more so in a game like this, where we really, both of us, should be doing less right. and letting the game just speak for itself.
2: So, what is uh, you got here Wednesday? What is the most, or is has there been a unique thing that you've seen in Atlanta that maybe you haven't seen in another MLS city regarding? Atlanta United or or a club there?
0: You know, we've always been struck by the visibility of the team around the city, people wearing stuff, billboards, the fact that in the airport, and the hotels, you see it for sale everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a significant thing. Um, you know, it was fun. We actually, we went to Arthur Blank's office and sat down with him yesterday, <laughs> which was interesting, but it was fun just to chat with him. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been to Atlanta's facility a number of times. So that was a neat conversation to sort of hear directly from him a little bit of, of what this has been like. and um you know, I guess the only thing I'd say is the games that I've done in this building have not been the full stadium games. Right. I've only done the sort of reduced capacity, hang the blinds games. So this will be. I think we had seventy-eight thousand in Moscow for the final. Uh, Bernabeo, we had eighty-five thousand, I think, last year for the Champions League semi-final. This will be one of the biggest crowds. You know, Rose Bowl game a couple years ago. This will be pretty big to have that many people. And for an MLS game. Right. That that sort of a thing will be cool. So a lot of it is... The only downside... Where our booth is, you're sort of hemmed in on three sides. So you don't really see the whole. I was up in one of the radio booths today with Jason Davis. Mm -hmm. And you see a little bit more of the stadium there.
2: Right.
0: You know, and sort of take it all in. Um, But I think that's what a lot of it is just sort of soaking in MBA like, hey, this is pretty cool. You know? I would would pay money to be here. I'm getting paid to be here. That's kind of neat.
2: Yeah, it's a fun thing. So what do you expect to see on the field tomorrow?
0: I actually think it's a fascinating tactical matchup, more than we're. There's so many other things to focus on. Not that it's being ignored. There's just so many other things to focus on. How both teams have changed how they play over the course of the playoffs. And, and you know, as, as Tata Martino told us a couple times, we don't care how it looks, we care that we win. Right. And Portland has been more willing to push a little bit higher, be a little more aggressive than being as hyper-defensive as they were. So that's what I'm fascinated in seeing in this game is is and I think I said this to Jason, who gets the game to look the way they want most often? Because it'll go back and forth. It'll shift. Right. The the pendulum will swing. This Portland team is as good as Atlanta is and as many advantages as they have playing at home. Portland has had most of their success on the road right. this postseason, and the same was true three years ago when they won the title. Right. So they're not Phase. They're not intimidated by any of this stuff. They, they know what they're doing here. So in that regard, I don't expect it to be one-way traffic. Right. Uh, and if it is, something catastrophic has probably taken place. So how does it swing back and forth? How do the coaches adjust? Giovanni Savarese loves anticipating what his opponent expects from him and to do something different. Uh, Tata Martino desperately, desperately wants to win this on the way out. So in that regard, you've got... It's always going to be the case for a final, for a championship game. But just some of the personal storylines that a lot of... You have a lot invested personally, even more than you normally would in the game, particularly with the managers. And so how they tinker and stretch. And and also, just you've individuals out there who can, by themselves, do special things. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, team concepts, but also... Joseph Martinez foot on the ball. Diego Valeri's foot on the ball. And we've seen enough to know that there are oftentimes unexpected heroes. Jeff Loretta was foot on the ball. Who knows? You know, those types of things um, are fun to just sort of sit back and see what's going to happen.
2: I've thought about what would be the most unexpected ending for Atlanta United. (laughs) And I think it would be if Michael Parkhurst were to score a goal. Yeah. And his fifth MLS Cup final.
0: you know, second ever goal. Yes. (laughs) The one other thing I would throw out, and it's a testament again to how many things, how many storylines there are but also how low a profile he keeps, that Darlington Nagby is not a bigger talking point around right. this game. Yeah. That that sort of, it makes perfect sense. And I go back, I mean, I remember Darlington's first practice a pro after he'd been drafted in Portland. I go back a long ways with him, so I'm not surprised by it, but it is sort of funny. He, every year in his career, he has one special moment. Mm-hmm. And he's not had that special moment yet this year, in part because he had the long stretch out with the injury. Right. So it would sort of make perfect sense for the ultimate... I'm not going to stand out in this game, type yeah. guy, to stand out in this game, and yeah. to do something like that. So that's and that's the what? Stop following me. Also, the that's what the job is: is you are prepared for every eventuality. It's the thing that I enjoy. Is yes, you're prepared to tell the story of Joseph Martinez scoring the game-winning goal, but you're equally as prepared for Eric Rometty to score the game-winning yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's where you know that's the fun part of the job. And then whatever happens, you just sort of react
2: and enjoy it. The interruption a few seconds ago was Brad Friedel coming over to uh, give John oh, a little bit friend. of stick. Because uh, he's been doing a lot of interviews today because he's a popular guy and he's good at his job.
0: Uh, which, by the way, can, me growing up as a soccer fan, screaming at my television in the O2 World Cup in the middle of the night. Right. That like Brad Friedel, I've worked with him for multiple years and like he's my buddy giving me a stick in a hotel <laughs> lobby. 14-year-old me is like losing his mind.
2: So <laughs> that's great. That's pretty good. For for the record, I did on another radio show say Darlington Nagby was going to be my key player for the game there on Saturday. Go. Because Atlanta United's adrenaline is going to be about 1,000 when they come out on the field. That's fair to And say. it's going to be up to Nagby to kind of keep them calm and keep the formation, not let them get too stretched. Yeah. Because He's, Portland can beat them pretty easily with a counterattack. His nickname
0: in, the, in Portland in, in the locker room when they won the title in 2015 throughout his time there was the fixer. Oh, yeah. Give him the ball. He'll solve the situation. Uh-huh. And particularly if... If Atlanta's struggling to, to break through, if the game's a little bit crazy, exactly that. That that he can provide the tempo, provide the calming moment, keep things under control. That's the extreme value of Darlington and his particularly unique skill set that he still has in his locker and mm-hmm. can do it whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, dribble three guys and score or have a laser beam in 35 yards. I've seen that. had made my career. That... His goal of the year in 2011 mm-hmm. was the, the face that launched us out a thousand ships for my career. So I, I've seen it in person what he right. can do. Just a matter of doing. It.
2: So, do you have your calls in mind for either winner without sharing it? Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, it's, it's an interesting balance because I don't. I have seen guys who will have stuff scripted out, and I have seen guys who will have note cards with little one-liners. I don't like that as a general rule. Okay. i like it to be spontaneous, I'd like it to be natural. At the same token, what you also can't have is in that moment you sort of are freeze or a tongue tie. Right. So I will think through, especially tomorrow. I'll sort of visualize and think through in my head if this happens, what might I say? If that happens, what might I say? To have some, because that's exactly you. You don't want to be, you don't want to blow it in the moment, but you also don't want to have some sort of pre-prepared one-liner. that right. It sounds like you're reading off a script. So it's a, it's a, it's a balance to find. And again, there's nothing wrong, and I've learned this. And it runs counter to the way that soccer is broadcast around the world. It is, a, it is a particularly American sports broadcasting trait. There's nothing wrong with silence. Right. Because it's not going to be silent.
2: Right.
0: Whether it's Portland or Atlanta, the reaction of the crowd, either delirium or despair, that tells the story as well as any rhetorical flourish or one-liner as I could provide. And right. so having the, the wherewithal and the confidence to not try to insert myself into that moment... Mm-hmm. I think is a, is an underrated trait.
2: Is there anything you have uh, upcoming you'd like to promote or, or discuss?
0: Just how excited I am to be on a plane Monday morning with my wife and without our two kids oh, nice. to Hawaii. Oh, and fun. you will not hear or see from me for at least a month, <laughs> if not more. And and how much, how very much I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as, as amazing as this year has been that I've loved every second. I've been so blessed to call a Champions League final a World Cup final an MLS Cup in one year it may never the stars may never align like this quite again right. and I'm very very mindful of if it all ended tomorrow how happy and satisfied I would be with it all um, but I also my wife has done a lot of single parenting this year um, and God bless our two kids so they're a handful and um, and my son is tired of me being gone, but I'm going to go another week with her. Um, so just, you know, it's been great, but it's time for me to disappear and, and be a husband and a father for a couple months, and then resurface in bits and pieces. We'll have the U.S.-Costa Rica game, Greg Berhalder's second game in charge. Um, we'll see what exactly, what is announced here coming up of yeah. some sort of tweak in the MLS scheduling and formatting, but, um, you know, recharge, to reload, and, and get ready for 2019
2: congratulations on a Thank great year. Thank you so year. much. I you very that. much. Thank you. And here's Alexi. And I'm back. Now I have Alexi Lawless and Rob Stone. Thanks to Claudia with Fox for her excellent work.
1: Yay, Claudia!
2: <laughs> Alexi, it was March 2017. We were at the Marriott Marquis about a block and a half from here. Uh, you were getting ready for it lining out its first game. I guess Red Bulls, over at Georgia Tech's Bobby Dodd Stadium. Did you think that you would be here covering Atlanta United in an MLS Cup this soon?
1: Uh, I don't think at that moment we saw what this team ultimately turned into. Um, That's that's the the on-the-field part of it. The the off-the-field part of it, it had already been made very, very clear that this was a a juggernaut. And the relevancy that this brand had attained uh, in market uh, had already started. So... You know that's that's a long way of saying that they've used the year, I think, to get better as a team, right. uh, to to find fine tune all of that talent into the best version uh, of this collection of players. Also, uh, I think the flexibility at times that this team has shown it's not it, it's not hell bent on playing one certain way. There are players that play a certain way, but right. as a team, it's been able to kind of shift at different times uh, and therefore mature in the way that they've approached it. So, I mean, I think if you look at it, the year this is the perfect type of year and the way that they have used it to get to this point, getting better and better, taking their knocks every once in a while, but then kind of learning from those and getting better one step back, two step forward, all that kind of stuff. I think everything has been accelerated
3: here. Um, And I've heard Back on this a lot lately because this is not this was not expected. Right. You know, I, I lived in Georgia for a while. I lived in Southwest Georgia. I worked in Albany, Georgia, <laughs> and I would come up to Atlanta for you know like a, a big weekend and. I was a soccer guy at that point, and it it was hard to find it. You know, maybe a pickup game at Piedmont Park that I I would play in or or something like that or a tournament I would come up for, but there was not this soccer culture here. You know, this is SEC country. I'm a college football guy. I'm a college hoops guy. I get it. Um, And I I was definitely a a quiet naysayer when Atlanta got a team and because I've seen – I've seen what the sports landscape has looked like through the years in Atlanta. It's not pretty. You know, they, they ran an NHL team out of here. The, the Hawks, you know, what were they? The, the Falcons, the Braves, uh, you know, bouncing from stadium to stadium. And even at, at the apex of the Braves' height, you know, there was still uh, a fight to pull in that fan base. And and now you're going to drop in a soccer team where, frankly, I just didn't see much soccer culture in the South. And I'm a Southern guy. I love the South. But, um, but I have been, and we've all really been proven wrong. So I think we all kind of look at each other and go, how? And I don't know what it is. There's not this magic button. It's not like the simple syrup you put in the tea that, that makes things just absolutely pop here. But you know, Arthur Blank has to be given an, a, a, just an absolute ton of credit for somehow creating... Um, this atmosphere creating this passion and this energy without it being forced yeah. upon people. You know, we, you, when you and I talk about the Pacific Northwest, um, it's natural. You know, it, it was stickers popping up on signposts um, and not by, you know, not by people in the media department, right? right? It's just a, a fan base somehow came and attached themselves to it. And I don't know what it is if, if, if they if they took this Southern tailgating football hospitality uh, concept and just threw it into soccer and embraced it. But what they've done with their ambitions on and off the field, they are
1: the standard bearer in Major League Soccer right now. It's fun. It's fun for soccer people to see something like this because I come into town. You know what the best part of it is to see a lot of the old guard and a lot of the tradition have to scramble now because right. this is a soccer city. Now, obviously, you've been there since the start and you were able to, to a certain extent, see around the corner, and that's important. Uh, that's important as it changes because it's a reflection of the city that you know so well, the, the changes of the city, the growth of this city, the diversity of this city. And, look, we, we talked to Arthur Blank yesterday, and he's very, very honest in that, of course, he thought it was going to succeed, and he believed in it, which is why he, he, he was part of it but not in his wildest wildest dreams he think that it was going to be like this and so it's it's obviously been simmering and what has happened is in two short years as far as the brand of Atlanta United is concerned, they are the super club for Major League Soccer they are, as you said, the standard berry in which every other team is now measured in what they do on the field and what they do off the field and they have this opportunity tomorrow in front of 70,000 people to kind of put that cherry on top and be definitive about it and say alright, we are the big dogs, now come and get us so well if you're going to be a big dog, you got to win the big one. And they have a team, I think, that's better than the opponent. They're playing at home. Uh, they're playing with incredible confidence right now. They just have to finish it off
3: tomorrow. You know, what's been cool is through the years, and you and I have been around essentially since day one, you know, in different roles with this league, is that there always has been a club or two that is carrying that torch, is doing the heavy lifting. And in, in the early days, it was D.C. United. You know, uh, Chicago had a run. Um, you know, what the LA Galaxy became. And now you're right that the old guard is saying, you know, put up or shut up. Like we we got to keep up with the Pacific Northwest. Like, you know, what Portland and Seattle did exploded MLS. I mean, they have to be given so much credit. But they've been lapped. And they're still killing it, and we're still immensely proud of them, and we flaunt them, but Atlanta has lapped them. And everybody that's coming into the league, hey, Nashville, hey, Cincinnati, Go visit Atlanta. Go see what they're doing, because everybody that wants to get associated with this league is now saying, "What what do they do, and and how do they go about doing it?" And a lot of it, a, is obviously opening up the pocketbook and making some brave, bold moves and getting them right. Um, but in the end, it's it's the optics of what Atlanta has become with this crowd base, with this with this noise, with the with the black and red everywhere that that really really draws the attention. I remember doing games at the Cotton Bowl, Lex, mm-hmm. on a Saturday in July at noon, and if if somebody is just tuning into that game, they are saying, why in the hell should I care? Right. There's, there are literally hundreds of people there, and the play is poor, and nobody wants to be there. You flick this on Saturday night, and if you're my college football guys, you're my Matt Leinart and Coach Wanstad, who don't know much about soccer, and they turn this on, they're saying, well, what's happening here? I'm sticking around, right? Because something is happening, and, and that something has caught the eyes of you know, our broadcast executives, but more importantly, salespeople you know, and, and decision makers out there in this country who, who realize there's more than just a, an event every four years called the World Cup that I should care about. There's something that's coming your, your, down your pipe every single week.
2: For the league, what if, should Atlanta United win? What do you think is the short-term impact for the other teams in the league? What is it they need to, to do? Because you could spend $60 million, but it takes yeah, yeah, time yeah. to spend so $60 million. What yeah. is the, the next step?
1: And I caution people of saying that you know, this is the template and therefore everybody should, should apply that. And I, I, I don't think that's the case. It's the and current I, template, it, right? It, it is a template in that it is representative of the ambition. Um, but just because something works in Atlanta doesn't mean that it works in a different market. And everybody under, everybody understands that. However, um, you've you got to keep up and you got to do some things. And so now if Atlanta wins, uh, also with that comes added attention and added pressure. And keep in mind, while you know, they don't have to worry about it for Saturday... But come Saturday night, this team is going to change drastically. If everything we hear, we, we think is true, with Tata obviously going to Mexico, and on the road going, and maybe even some other changes. And when you get into the nitty gritty, and this is where some of that old guard is also kind of looking and shaking their heads and going, "All right, just wait," because it's all good right now, and it is all good right, right now, and that's that should be celebrated. But you're going to go through moments where it's not good, and I'll be really interested to see how this Atlanta fan base that has gravitated to this brand and that has achieved incredible relevancy looks at it when the team isn't good and isn't playing well. and It's not something there that's going to spark your interest. Is it truly organic? Is it truly in you, regardless of what the team does uh, or not? And that's where the work's going to have to begin. I'm like, I'm not Darren. Walked by here a second ago, right. and I'm sure he's thinking about it uh, already, but it yeah. would be nice to kind of have this moment, because it becomes part of the folklore and the history uh, of, in the first two years, we want it. And you've established yourself as one of the elites and one of the best. And it gives you also something to internally say, hey, we need to measure up year after year to that. Right.
3: Oh, they're going to have a bullseye on their back, regardless yes. next season. You know that, that they've been given so much love and attention. Look, you know, I, I know uh, our programming department is going to be fighting tooth and nail to have as many home <laughs> Atlanta games yeah. as possible because it, it resonates. Um, but you're right. You know, look what look what happened to Portland a couple of years ago when they won MLS Cup. They had a big drop off because. That that or that Toronto. bullet, Toronto. yeah, in Toronto, and you know the salary uh, restrictions that that come into play, and how difficult it is to maintain success at this league. It is a challenge. Again, DC did it for a while. You could even say San Jose had had their run for a while, and and obviously the LA Galaxy. But to continually sustain it, it is difficult, and a lot of it to me, Lex, goes back to ownership. And Arthur Blank right now is one of those guys in those meeting rooms that I have to feel is 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 a leading voice, is a guy saying, you know, catch up or, or, or fall behind. And there are owners out there who are falling woefully, woefully behind right now. And and now you got to look at that balance. Is that a good thing for the league? I love ambition. I want to be bigger and stronger. And Arthur Blank is clearly that type of character who's saying, you know, quit, take these reins off me. Let me run. Let, let, let the horses run. And Atlanta's running right now, and they could do a lot more running, and other clubs could do more running as well. And then there's some others out there that are saying, whoa, we're we're all right in the stable right here, right? <laughs> yeah. We can we can kind of find That's some magic in a that. bottle every three or four years yeah. and and pull off a surprise." But you know, the, the haves and the have-nots, um, it's getting greater and greater every year in MLS. Where in years past, it, it was a it was a tight kind of a tight race with a few that that led. Now we have more and more true leaders out there saying. Let's go! Let's take on Liga MX. Let's top MX Liga MX. Let's be better than Mexico, and then let's start going after you. Yeah,
1: Champions Champions League. I think it's going to be really huge. Yeah. Whoever wins that, and obviously Atlanta's going to be involved in that. It's going to be a little different in the way they look, but the you know the fan base and even the media in some of these markets now are looking at Atlanta and saying, hey, why why can't we have it? So that pressure on that ownership to kind of keep up is it's it's a good thing. It's going to mm-hmm. put pressure on. It. They're going to have to answer questions, or they're going to have to admit and announce to a fan base that no. We can't do that, and that's the kiss of death, because who wants to follow a team that's not going to be able to keep up? And by the way, even keeping up, it's still within the, the MLS structure, so it's not—you want you to talk about problems keeping up, then go over to Europe and some of the problems yeah. you have, you are right. the haves and the have-nots, and that's—the parity still exists there. There started to be that separation, as Rob uh, Rob said, but this is a— even for those those not weaker markets, but different markets, this is a this is a good thing, and I hope that it lights a fire and others do some stuff. You,
3: you know what I think is going to be a storyline in, in the coming months, coming years is ownership turnover. Yeah. I think you're going to start seeing more and more owners saying,
1: "Tap, tap out,
3: I'm out, yeah. I'm good," and and I think the league might be subtly behind the scenes applying enough pressure or being ambitious enough to go out and look in certain markets and say hey you interested in in doing this because you know you and i can name some markets right now that need to get their act together big time and and a lot of it is because they're being held down by ownership that is inactive doesn't care is content with where they are and arthur and anschutz and company are going to continue running running
1: over them
2: And last question for you, and it's probably the most important. What do you expect to see tomorrow night? The game itself.
1: (laughs) Right. So you have – it was interesting a few weeks ago when uh, the Red Bulls came into town and and completely went against type and, and in my estimation, betrayed themselves, which is where they really lost that that series. And they tried to bunker in, which is not what they do. The problem for Atlanta tomorrow is going to be that Portland uh, not only – can bunker in, but they're very comfortable bunkering in. And bunkering is sometimes not a fair word, but just absorbing pressure, conceding the uh, possession. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but Atlanta's going to have to find a way to break them down and be aware that they are very, very good on the counter with the, like, with, the, with the teams that they have. They will all understand this. So then you're talking about a team that has a lot of possession, but does not have the space to run that they want. So you need moments of magic. You need... It. So whether it's a Joseph Martinez finding a way on one of those cross balls to actually create something uh, out of nothing or, uh, you know, an Almiron. I think that left side is going to be really interesting with Almiron right. and Garza going at what I think is a weak link on that right back uh, for Valentin if he starts, uh, and in the back like they have in the back line for Portland. But I think that, I think they're just a better team, and so it might just be this war of attrition. That's not a great thing to say in terms of the aesthetic of it. Right. But if Atlanta scores early, I think he can put this thing away. Yeah, um, so that's that's what I that's what I think is going to happen. But don't don't sleep on Portland because they don't they are under no responsibility to entertain yep. or play beautiful soccer, and they love it right now. They are saying all the pressure and focus is on them. They can be that underdog and just kind of sit in there and wait for their moments.
2: And they have done well on the road
3: and yep. all their pressure on the road.
1: You know, look look what they did in Texas. Look what they did in Seattle. Look what they did in
3: New York as well. Getting the result that that matters. By the way, you just gave me more tactical analysis than you've given me in the last five months. <laughs> Where, I didn't know you had this. You, you're unloading now. It's fantastic. Can I ask you more tactical questions? You really want to get into the weeds. I don't. You and I don't want to I get into the weeds. I just gave it to you. I think, I, I think. Got to, I, got to do every, I got to throw it in every once in a while to keep my credit with the the kids on the street. Yeah, I hear you, <laughs> Soccer nerds. Oh, man, it's so true. Right I've got to break the lines. That's, that, like, have have you heard break the lines, break the lines. More, more in the, in the last line. last couple months yeah. than I've ever heard in my life? And it's such an in line. I saw Berhalter like, talk about. We're going to break lines. Breaking lines sounds Ooh, that's awesome. It's really cool. Look, look. Championship games are always cagey affairs, particularly right. in the beginning, right? And it's always kind of this feeling out process. If I'm Atlanta and I got those seventy-three thousand nuts going behind me, I am coming at you. I am coming hard. I'm coming early. And those first fifteen minutes, Portland, get ready. Get ready to defend your, your tails off right. because we've got the best offense in the league and we're going we're gonna to show it to this national audience and we're going to show it to this fan base. But Portland, as you mentioned, good on the road. Savvy veteran leadership, a really good midfield that's been kind of carrying them through things. Uh, and you get the sense that Portland knows everybody's talking about Atlanta because Atlanta is the story at this cup. And I get the sense, Lex, that they're kind of back there, thug, kind of like smirking and smiling. Like, oh, yeah, go do another profile in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, knock yourself out. How many people are going to be here? Oh, more black North and red. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, because we're the ones who invented the damn depot. Right. You, know, you know, and you know, apologies to Seattle as well. So, um, I, I think you're right. If, if Atlanta comes out early and flexes flexes the, the muscles, then it's going to be a long day for Portland. If they survive that first 20 minutes, oh boy, it's going to be a fun one. Zones is my
2: favorite. Zones, there we go. Zones. Zones. zones, zones. is my favorite. Um, well, thank you all for your time. Don't there problem. goes Darren Needles running yeah, past us running. again.
3: He's running. Going to sign a new player. We'll I sign think. somebody. Um, he's out of breath. <laughs> out of breath
2: Is there anything upcoming that y'all would like to talk
3: about that you're doing?
1: No, I mean this is obviously Do You have an album em- to drop. No, no, no I'm not going <laughs> to drop an <laughs> album, but a new nope. single,
3: you, you, you you and Beyonce going to bang something out? Jesus? Not yet, not yet.
1: Yeah. We, maybe at the, uh, in in January. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we, we did a, not Christ, around the, well, we yeah, did a Christmas a song. song. We didn't like it. We didn't like it. So. <laughs> yeah. Put it back under wraps. <laughs> no, this is going to be this is going to be a fun time. Obviously, Saturday night on, on Homer Simpson Fox. It's uh, uh, it's getting the time slot and the attention that it deserves. It's a huge game and it's a celebration. It's a celebration of what MLS has become, and certainly when it comes to Atlanta, a, a celebration of everything that's happened on and off the field. And, and the folks in Atlanta. Uh, should be proud of what they've done because people are taking notice and, and while there's plenty of people that want Atlanta to lose specifically because they've been so good, that's the mark of a big team. It's the mark of somebody that's doing something right.
3: Huge day for American soccer. It's not just MLS yep. Cup. It's, it's the you know the Women's World Cup draw as well and, and where the number one ranked team and the defending World Cup champs are going to be playing in France is, is huge news early in the morning and then cap it off with MLS Cup. It's a great Saturday, man. And and, and I love that it's kind of hidden away from uh, all the other activities Activities. It's, it's a night. I want to see the season end earlier, and I think that's coming soon. But this Saturday in the sports landscape is a nice little Saturday night for MLS Cup. Thank you all very
2: much. Yeah. And Rob, as always, it's the MLS Cup, Atlanta United versus Portland. I'm Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You could follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
2: It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the
0: Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the
2: people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving arts scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL.
0: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.